0: I know. I'm not sure if he really believes, you know, what he's doing, or if he's doing it for clout. But either way, it's it's horrible. She's perfect in every way, but every word she says, she sounds like Cardi (laughs) B,
1: with all of the sounds that she makes. (laughs) Skitty up. So basically, like she's from the Bronx. (laughs) She's from the Bronx, but like ghetto Bronx. Ah. I think that you'd be the hot receptionist. Aw. Yeah. So, like, if Michaela, like I said, when she becomes, like, a rich doctor, (laughs) you can work as her receptionist,
0: and that'll be, like, a power play fantasy for you guys. Dude, that's a great idea, actually. If she, like, she has her own business, her own, like, um, all right, socks on or socks off at night.
2: Socks off? You're a fucking weirdo if you wear socks, but I'm just saying
0: that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, who do you text the most besides Collier? Uh, we don't <laughs> text too much
3: actually. Wait, really?
1: No, we actually don't. We don't. Uh, no. You only communicate through
3: passive-aggressive
1: TikToks. Exactly. Yeah, that. yeah. Hey, my name's Elijah and you are listening to the Hopefully Wandering Podcast. I'm joined today first by Collier. Collier, how are
0: you doing? Hey Elijah, I'm doing well. How are you?
1: I'm so good. Collier,
0: what is this podcast about? Uh, This podcast is about a number of things. Um, First and foremost is uh, wandering, and usually we try to be hopeful when we do that. But what Uh, does that mean, bro? So we both have left evangelicalism and left the church. Um, So we're post church people now. Just exploring uh, metaphorically, literally, uh, in spiritual realms, in uh, life, and just really all things about life. Um, We used to have a rigid set of rules, and now we don't. So we're testing everything out and figuring out what we love, what we don't love, and most importantly, trying to be a good human outside of the church. That's right. We're visiting different
1: places, seeing the sites. What do they say? Um... Take only pictures, leave only footprints. And that's what we're doing with everything we never were allowed to consider before. Fun fact Love Wins by Rob Bell is not a bad book, as much as they may tell you.
0: <laughs> no, it is a firmly Christian book. So they, they do not think it is. That's right. Uh we have a go guest
1: today. Special. Want did you say hi, Lindsay?
2: Yes. Hello.
1: Lindsay, can you give us like, because we're going to get in the long form version here in a few minutes, but give us like 30 seconds of who you are.
2: For sure. Um, so I'm Lindsay. I'm 25. I like to refer to myself as an ex-pastor on TikTok. Um, Which we got to talk about the TikTok. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, grew up in evangelic did not grow up in evangelicalism, but got sucked in as a teenager and devoted my whole life to it. And at 24, decided to deconstruct. And so here I
0: am. Yeah, incredible. You know, you might be the first guest, actually, that uh, didn't wasn't raised in the church, that wasn't, like, a Christian since birth. Um, I feel like we've had a lot of those on. So this will be exciting. Yeah, I'm, I, uh, I'm so excited to hear your story. <laughs> um, yeah, so maybe tell a little bit about just how you know us or how you know Elijah, and um, then we'll get into playing a game and putting you to the test.
2: For sure. Well, Elijah and I met through a pastor's association. We were in neighboring towns, and our um, our churches would get together a couple times a year to do a service, and Elijah and I met maybe after a year or two after I was already at my church, kind of coming in the same way, young, really unexperienced, maybe had a little bit of Bible college or Uh, worship experience under his belt, but not practical experience. So um, we kind of bonded over that. And he was replacing a a youth pastor and a worship pastor that I had already kind of gotten to know, but he was a lot older. So him and I kind of clicked on that level. And um, yeah, now we randomly found each other on TikTok again, and uh, just talking about leaving the church and things like that. And so here I am.
1: (laughs) So it was really crazy because like I saw one of your TikToks and I don't remember exactly which one. And I'm like, I sent it to Collier and I was like, Collier, I fucking know this girl. (laughs) We worked in like the same area, (laughs) but I had to watch like two or three to make sure it was you.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was pretty wild. I've also shed my like Christian girl fall aesthetic. You know what I mean? Like I've kind of changed my look Mm. a little bit. So, so um, that's been pretty good that see oh, that's what yeah. it was <laughs> yeah
0: were you a were you i a had big, a whole other uh, vibe
2: when we knew each other
0: <laughs> good were you big, uh, a big a round hat wearing christian fall girl
2: no but god i wanted to be so bad <laughs> so bad <laughs> so bad
0: yeah um so Lindsay, if you've heard our podcast you know we put all of our guests through the hot seat um so did you ever like have the hot seat when you were in youth group?
2: I don't think so, but I know what a hot seat is. I'm ready. Yeah, I'm ready. Well, so
0: apparently actually uh, we uh, uh, saw a TikTok of somebody else, a different pastor who was talking about their youth group playing a game where it was like a seat that was hooked up to an electric battery and they would like actually shock you or something. <laughs> it, 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 like actually like turn it on and make it hot if you got an answer wrong. So <laughs> Jesus. I never heard of that version but um
2: that's pretty radical yeah
0: yeah this is the a more tame version where we are just intellectually burning you rather than um physically
1: (laughs) hope we don't burn her at all
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay so yeah we're gonna ask you a lot of quick questions um and just answer with whatever you whatever comes to the top of your mind or whatever you think about it um sure so first one uh what's your go-to coffee order
2: Mm, iced vanilla latte half-sweet.
0: Mm, okay, good, good, good.
2: Basic, simple.
0: Basic, oat milk, regular milk? Regular
2: milk. milk, I love cows, you know what I mean? Okay, Me and cows, yeah. were homies. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> What's the most embarrassing thing on your Spotify wrapped this year?
2: Um, mm. The fact that I listened to Ariana Grande way too much, I felt like the most basic ass white girl, but I couldn't listen to her before. She's so good.
0: She's so good. She's so good. She's phenomenal. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, wait, just so you, since you mentioned that, really, really fast, funny story. So one of the um, reasons that like we started, (laughs) that especially my partner, Michaela, started like hating our old pastor was because in one of his sermons, um, It was after some kind of award show and like he randomly brought up this Ariana Grande performance where he like described her like on a bed, like writhing sexually around a lot of people. Um, (laughs) (laughs) How else do you writhe? Yeah. Well, he (laughs) was like, like, I'm going to dedicate myself to praying for that young girl. Oh, God. It was like, I don't know, just like randomly shaming her from stage. And then so (laughs) Michaela is like obsessed with Ariana Grande and she was like, OK, fuck that. That's stupid. <laughs> was this Dude. Lexington? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know who this is. We were Bro. like, is... okay, if this is what the church is like, that's so fucking stupid. Let's get out.
2: <laughs> no, I, I didn't listen to her. I told myself I couldn't because she had God as a woman as a song. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's stupid. Who knew but... she
3: was right? Yeah. For real. <laughs> <laughs> It's your turn. Um, oh, sorry, <laughs> my bad. My
0: bad. Yeah. Um, uh, would you rather have mini muffins or mini cupcakes?
2: Mm, muffins all day, chocolate chip.
0: Mm. Yeah, me too.
1: <laughs> I don't know if this applies to you, considering like getting into a little bit of your story later. But like, what's the most like cringe purity culture thing you did?
2: oh my god (laughs) took it off on my bedside table bro (laughs) no sat that shit on my bedside table and put that shit back on a few hours later (laughs) yeah i I took the purity classes i did the whole thing Mm -hmm. yes yep i did the whole thing i got a ring and everything so (laughs) jesus christ (laughs) is
1: our lord savior facts Facts.
0: okay what is one worship song that you can still like that if it come on you would still like sing it at the top of your lungs
2: at the top of my lungs oh my god um there's so many still i feel like i'm still so freshly out there's a lot but like lately it's been like Raise a Hallelujah which Elijah I think we did that song together. So, like Wait, mm-hmm. it was
0: like you and I specifically. Yeah. Yeah. You guys were like in ministry when that song was you Pop couldn't primo, go a week without playing primo. it. Like, yeah, yeah, no oh, church yeah. went a single week without playing that song.
2: Oh yeah, and we like I remember I introduced it to my church and it was still so new. And so I felt like a hipster. Yeah. Fuck yeah,
1: better than all of you. But but our home megachurch, Southeast Christian, i already been doing it for six months, so it was just not hitting the small churches.
2: Yeah, 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 you get it, you get it. <laughs> our church wasn't as hipster as yours. I understand I'm falling, yeah.
1: No, it's probably a good thing in
2: hindsight.
1: <laughs> for real. Um, let me think, let me think, let me think. Who I, I it ends up being a lot of music questions, but, like, if you could see anyone in concert now who you've never seen in concert before, who would it be?
2: Oh my God, who I haven't seen
1: who you haven't seen, like your dream show,
2: Bruno Mars, but specifically with Silk Sonic,
0: oh, oh my God, I would die, yes, uh,
2: yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: Elijah and I did did one of their songs at the karaoke. We were oh so drunk at the at the end of the night. We were, it was, we weren't thinking.
2: What did you sing? Um, leave the door. Open. Oh yeah. my god! <laughs> I'm gonna leave the door open. I can only imagine that just drunkenly being hilarious.
0: Oh yeah, we were like we were going for it. We could, we shouldn't have. <laughs> we
2: shouldn't have. <laughs> No, we um,
0: should have.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Incredible.
0: Um, Lindsay, what is Oh, what is a superpower that you would hate to have? Hate to have.
2: Ooh. Um, seeing people naked. You know, cuz yeah, like most yeah. people are pretty ugly naked, you know? Like the majority of people.
1: What does that say about society? I don't know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm just like not a i don't know, <laughs> <Things> <laughs> me. I
3: don't
1: know. <laughs> we have some gray ace going on here i love it
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um let me think oh yeah i'm just gonna start asking the the normal ones call you okay mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. sloppy wet or unforeseen
2: sloppy wet sloppy wet if mm. you say unforeseen you're friggin' bogus you're like <laughs> you're like the saltine cracker of christians and i don't like
0: you <laughs> yes literally yeah um i'm sorry I, I went on a website and it was uh very much different than what i thought it was going to be um <laughs> the oh, way
2: that can i just say something really quick the way that i debated that fucking line with my pastor who wanted it to be unforeseen <laughs> And really? I, he would—he changed the lyrics to unforeseen, and my ass just sang that shit as sloppy wet. I don't give yeah, a you
0: did. <laughs> nice, good, good. Jesus. <laughs> he would do that too. That's so oh, yeah. funny.
2: For real, for real.
0: Mm. Um, who was your first celebrity crush?
2: Nick Jonas, <laughs> I, or Jesse McCartney. Those yeah, yeah, the... yeah
0: yeah yeah oh for sure have you seen the guy on tiktok who does the nick jonas impression?
2: no but i'd probably fall in love with him oh, so it's keep so him away from funny me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what's your uh, dream vacation
2: hawaii mm. pretty basic mm. but it's so fucking expensive to get out there like i think yeah. that if, if i got to choose hawaii
0: yeah um, would you rather know when you are going to die or how you're going to die?
2: Oh my God. Neither. Um, but I guess if I had to choose, it would be when, cause then I could like, I don't know, be more motivated. <laughs> <I don't know>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: You can kind of do like whatever you want.
2: Until right. Then. Yeah. And, like, yeah. Just, just imagine they're like, you're going to die in a car accident. And then, but it's like a car accident 80 years from now. And you're like, okay, well, now I'm fucking scared of every car. And I'm, you know exactly. what I mean? <laughs> You know?
1: Um, what could you give a TED Talk on right now with no notice?
2: Literally anything to do with purity culture, youth group, theological de- debates between denominations. In a second. Also, um, probably Starbucks, because I've worked there for seven years.
1: Are you are you are you a starby mm. girl right now?
2: Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, I got I'm that so Bible sorry. degree. And well, me yeah, too. Now <laughs> yeah,
1: are you are you thinking about well, this is probably jumping the gun a little bit, but like are you rethinking school again or not?
2: I have gone back and forth so much on school and um because I can't land on something, like I've taken some psych classes thinking I'd be a therapist. I've taken some other whatever but i just <laughs> yeah it's just so expensive so i'm just kind of i don't know waiting it out we'll see
0: oh totally, totally. yeah same well starbucks does have that uh, tuition assistance or whatever
2: there's actually a lot of options for that now um mm-hmm. so it's just a matter of deciding like what do i want to spend my time on like what do i really want to invest myself yeah. in so that's what's been really challenging for me i think especially being in like such a creative environment as a worship pastor like that kind of fun very free environment. It's like I really don't want to work for somebody nine to five, and it be like you know, constant, constant like micromanaging and stuff. You know, it's it's kind of hard. Yeah, it's hard no, for me it. to
1: go punching the clock now because it just feels like sucking the soul out of my body.
2: Yep, absolutely, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Was that um, me? Is it you? No, I think it's you. I don't know how we, yeah i don't know what the last question was um ted talk yeah your turn yeah okay oh that's right that's right uh what is your favorite flavor
2: what are we talking about here
0: what's your favorite flavor
2: just like any flavor like just any broad flavor yeah okay maybe uh maybe like cherry like the red candy like that's me mm-hmm. I guess? that's a bold choice <laughs> is it it's yeah, pretty, I thought it was pretty okay. basic
0: yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Great answer. Yeah.
1: I'm not a fan, but I'm glad that you're a follower.
2: You seem like a blue raspberry motherfucker, <laughs> if I'm not going to lie.
0: That, that's pe- what I said in my first one actually.
1: <laughs> I'm a peanut butter guy. Oh. Okay.
2: okay yeah, that's okay.
1: <laughs> okay, next question. <laughs> um I only got a couple more. Is that a good, Colleen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have a guilty pleasure?
2: Mm. Marijuana. Mm. Oh
1: fuck yeah! Yeah, Get
3: it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Someday I'll tell her about my brownie experience.
0: Post.
2: Oh, I thought it
1: was a good time. I no, it. it was yeah, not. This could, this was it a first spooky time? Do, uh, I ate the
0: whole thing. Oh Jesus! Yeah, he ate the entire thing you and watched Hereditary.
2: Planet. Oh, nice!
0: <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> remember what happened.
3: Jeez,
2: mm. <laughs> tripping balls.
0: Let's see. Hmm. Um... If you could write a book about your life so far, what would be the title? Mm.
3: Escaping Expectations.
1: Mm, mm. I like it. I like it.
0: (laughs) I like it. That's the title (laughs) episode of the podcast now. Okay. Typing
1: that in now. (laughs) Wait, hold on. I'm actually. Wait, let me pull up Notes app. Escape. Okay, so I have two semi-serious ones. Getting some glue in here. here? <laughs> <laughs> um, what are your thoughts on Josh Harris now?
2: Remind me who Josh Harris is.
1: Wrote, I kissed dating goodbye, and now he's like atheist.
2: Oh, well. I kind of unsubscribed from purity culture after it fucking ruined my life. <laughs> um, so yeah. I didn't really, I didn't really keep up with that whole, like, i like the book series type thing, but I do think, it, I do find it really interesting how most really outspoken, really passionate Christians are usually the ones that end up completely rejecting the faith a few years later, <laughs> like us as well. Um, yeah. So I, I, I do think, I, I guess I'm not surprised because it's so common. But um, I bet he's kind of like embarrassed of himself. I don't know. And maybe he's not. I mean, we're all on a journey, you know. But a lot of people are like upset yeah.
1: with him because they're really? like, "Fucking ruined my life, bro."
2: Mm-hmm. But you, it's a system. It's a systemic issue. It's not a one-person issue. You know, he was oh, subscribed yeah. what was fed to him, and then he decided to write a book. I mean, a lot yeah. of people write stupid shit, well, you
0: know. And he wrote a book when he was like a kid. He was like sixteen or seventeen with that first book, and. yeah Yeah. so he he was a victim i mean he was also a cause of abuse but he was a victim as well so you know right yeah yeah um oh okay next question uh what is one question that you would ask god Hmm. just saying that that god exists i guess
2: (laughs) right why didn't jesus explicitly say being gay was wrong if it's such a big deal in modern churches (laughs) <laughs> that's probably what i would say yeah
0: i love it see my favorite thing too is that like every depiction we have of, of white jesus is based on like gay lovers from the uh romantic period or the whatever like Michelangelo oh, yeah. was <laughs> like that's oh, all it oh, is yeah. it's like all based on their gay lovers because they were like oh this is a beautiful god let's make him jesus <laughs> <laughs>
2: there is a leg- like a legitimate movement that fully believes that Jesus was gay, like 100%. And I think that's really mm. interesting. Oh yeah. So,
0: I mean, there's a lot of, um, <laughs> I know there's some, some underlying ways you can interpret a lot of passages, especially in John. Um, Oh yeah. Cause there was an ancient Roman custom where they called where it, like an older to a younger male, male relationship. Um, they call the older one, the lover and the younger one, the beloved. And mm-hmm. John always refers to, john as the beloved disciple (laughs) stuff like that there's like little there's things you can say to make it that way
2: yeah for sure that's cute maybe i
0: I don't mean to tokenize
1: the gays now but now that i'm deconstructing being gay is so cool like guys i want to be gay
2: but i'm not (laughs) i'm just not that cool i'm not that cool (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think it was a huge motivation for me it's like it's kind of when the gears started turning because i was working in starbucks part-time and still like a pastor's wife and i was surrounded mm-hmm. by trans and gay people everywhere and like i was so sheltered it was like but i i love these like i actually love these people and i do not believe yeah. that they're going to hell. and that that's when the gear started turning and i was like maybe this isn't what i thought it was you know yeah so maybe totally.
1: none of them are going yeah. to hell
2: right. No one is. <laughs> maybe hell doesn't exist yeah. that's kind of what me.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so transitionary question into the story that is Lindsay. Where is the place that you've ended up spiritually when it's all said and done? I'm curious. If you, if you had yes. to like put a pin in it, what would you say?
2: If I had to pin it, it probably would be agnostic. Um but I would say that I don't really believe in like a monotheistic or like a Deity type God. It's more of like a force that I think I believe in, like some sort of universal spiritual power that we're all born with. There are no exclusions. There are no rules. It's more like kind of like a the presence in your body that makes you human versus like an animal. You know what I mean? I think that I feel something of that sort, and I think I see like you know like I feel like I've seen signs or like felt things over the years that did feel authentic outside of Christianity that I don't discredit, but. um I wouldn't say that I care to practice or even investigate or I don't even really care to investigate practicing an organized religion ever again.
0: Yeah. No, it's awesome. And I mean, it's always like that's like Elijah said, a pin in it for right now. You know, it's always evolving and it's always um subject to change. I think that's one of the things that's we've all taken out of our experience of of wandering and of leaving is uh that you don't have to pin anything down and you don't have to be absolute and then never change.
2: Right. Yeah. For
0: sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so with that, yeah, let's jump into more of your story. So um, I guess wherever you want to start, it is good. If you want to start at like your great grandparents, like when they (laughs) formed uh, your grandparents or like (laughs) start at your birth or you could start at last year or whatever you want to do. I see you in like three phases. I see you as
1: in like pre time. I know you like when you like enter the faith, decide mm-hmm. to go into ministry the time I knew you like in ministry and then wherever you've ended up now. So like mm-hmm. whatever you want to share, we want to relate.
2: Yeah, for sure. Well, I think that the very beginning of my story completely impacts the like, like literally the first five years of my life impacts the entire rest of my story so i'll start there um when i was so i let me back up so my mom and dad weren't married they kind of had some issues whatever they broke up like broke up got back together my mom dated other people um well when i was i think almost four um one of my mom's ex-boyfriends actually decided to walk into our house with a gun and he murdered my dad eight o'clock at night we're all at home we're all right there like Boom, um, that changed the entire trajectory of my life, like that moment. Um, and so, why that's important, like I guess fast forwarding is like through all of the shit that happens after somebody's killed, like the court cases and the dude going to prison, the dude getting out of prison, and us moving away, and all of that really led me to having a void in my life very young because I didn't have a dad, and it wasn't because he could didn't want to be there it's because he couldn't be there. And so I felt so lost and my mom was very traumatized as well and we like never talked about it, never went to therapy. And so by the time I was like 12, 13, I was incredibly suicidal. I was like, I'm done. Like I can't, I felt like I had no resources. I felt like I had no support because I pretty much like, I love my mom to death and I know that she did her best, but I felt like a lot of part, a lot of my childhood, like I raised myself, you know what I mean? Like I was just kind of like alone and so when i wandered into a church at the ripe old age of 13 right like and you've got pastors that feast on young blood like that they feast on traumatized teenagers that's literally what drives the church is traumatized teens okay um they sucked sunk their teeth into me once they found out my dad wasn't around they're like well god can be your dad and like i had my youth pastor tell me like i'll be your spiritual father god put me in your life oh, to be wow. your spiritual father stuff like that to mm-hmm. where like i felt so supported so loved so cared for by these strangers i was like how could like a god love me you know what i mean like that whole that whole thing and um very quickly like within six months of like from my, when i walked into the door i swear it was like i was doing like i was devoted i was 100 percent in i cut out all my friends i deleted all my shitty music That wasn't God approved, you know, like I um, signed up for summer camps and serving and I was there every Sunday and every Wednesday. Like I I just dove in like as deep as I could, because it was the only thing that I felt like brought me solace. And then very quickly unraveled that church was probably the most toxic place for me to be. But I was already so devoted that I did not watch the warning signs and I was too young to know the warning signs. So that's really what got me into church
0: yeah yeah no that's really cool and so then um we, you said you saw warning signs when um I mean thank you for sharing that by the way I mean that was uh yeah that's a lot and I mean we can you know, talk about whatever you want to talk about there but um yeah I just wanted to know like how old were you when you saw the warning signs um and when you started seeing that toxicity
2: probably around like fifteen, fifteen, sixteen. 15 16 so like sophomore junior year is i think when things really started to kind of explode for me um within the context of church and uh it's it's because when you're like 13 14 you're like barely out of middle school you know what i mean like or like i think i was i think i started going the summer after eighth grade so like Mm -hmm. it was so much fun i was making all these friends and i was having a great time serving and i was feeling better about my trauma and like you know i was getting along better with my mom because i wasn't as like I wasn't, uh, as rebellious, you know what I mean? Like I was like a little bit better of a kid. So you, so you'd say, um, but I'd say around like 15 is whenever I started to notice a lot of really shitty things happening. Um, and we got, we got another youth pastor and he was like coming to me to tell me that the old youth pastor was like a rapist and like all this like like random shit and i'm like 15 yeah. i'm like oh my god really you know and like then i started seeing them fight like in person like they met up at a basketball game and i was like these people are weird and but i kept going and then it turned into that pastor like creating cliques of the youth group like these are student leaders but we're gonna talk shit about all the other kids oh. turning into yeah, yeah. oh you know, I'm sure you guys are familiar with that. And then that turned into like, don't invite Lindsay to our get together. We're all getting together, but don't invite Lindsay. And like, he's like a few other kids and nobody would tell me, you know what I mean? Like stuff like that. And I think the yeah. breaking point for me though, was I, I was 16 years old and I had been sleeping with my boyfriend. The only person I'd ever been with, been in love with whatever. Um, and he was, an, he was 18 and he was an adult leader at the youth group, by the way. So oh, there's that.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, but. They, f- they found out that we were sleeping together and my youth pastor told the elders who told all of the deacons and everybody in the church. And one of the elders told his son who takes me, who was taking me to school at the time that he couldn't take me to school because he was afraid that I would try to sleep with him because t- so I, so I, yeah, so I became the town bore for <laughs> sleeping so with my friend. Shamed at church. Yeah. No. The other part of that mm-hmm. is they asked me to step down from all serving opportunities, but not my boyfriend at the time.
0: Damn, the one who was the adult that was sleeping mm-hmm. with the minor, wow. Who
2: had wow. slept with other minors before me. Let's just. Oh my. Wow, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so Oof. that was one of the most devastating points in my story as a Christian, But I, but mm-hmm. through that I convinced myself that it was just that church and it was just that setting. And so then I kind of like weaved myself into other places you know
0: what I mean like other settings so yeah no definitely you know I used to think that denominations um and how many different churches and everything that there are was like a tool of the devil to undermine the church and the unity of the church but now when you say that um just all the all the no true Scotsman Mm-hmm. shit that you go through in your mind mm-hmm. um where you're saying like oh it's just this church it's just this setting it's just that pastor yeah i feel like that actually does it it strengthens the church rather than rather than hurts it all the different denominations all the different churches mm-hmm. there are in every block because you can keep on hopping from church and church to church right and then ones who are hurt by one will go to the other so it kind of strengthens it because you'll, you'll keep right. everybody still in the community mm-hmm. because uh there is a lot of compelling um, nature of Jesus and of like the story right. of redemption and the incarnation. Like there's a lot of re- uh, compelling stuff with that. Yeah. So yeah. That's uh man. Yeah, that's crazy. That sucks that it happened <laughs> to you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's awful. Um and then you clearly you you stayed in the church though, right? Because you told yourself it was just that scenario and you uh stuck yeah. with God and went somewhere else.
2: Yeah, I I actually stayed through a lot of that. And then when I remember like towards the end of high school, it kind of started branching off a little bit. And, uh, but I so badly wanted to be accepted by my peers and those people that I feel like, even though the warning signs were so fucking clear, like in my face, I was so determined for them to believe that I wasn't a whore, that I wasn't that, you know what I mean? Because I'm like, i know i messed up like i'm like in my head i'm like i just made a mistake like i'm still a person like can you please just treat me like a person and i so badly wanted to be loved especially coming from that really traumatized home life like teens specifically desperately in need of love i feel like are the ones that stay in the church the longest like that's that's my opinion from what i've seen you know and so i was just i was so stubborn and so determined to make sure that they knew that i was going to be the best christian you know what i mean like and so <laughs>
3: It
1: was, it was goofy. Scoofy behavior. Man, it's... It makes me really sad, especially just for, like, all the people that we grew up with in hindsight because I never really thought about, like, what was attracting me to the youth mm-hmm. ministry, and I never viewed, like, my high school youth ministry as kind of predatory, even though, like, maybe it wasn't, like, sexually predatory... It kind of was predatory towards like that type of student, or you know, a different type of like seeking out right. of like a teenager, and mm-hmm. it got me hook, line, and sinker. Got Collier, got you, and I just I hate that. Yeah. And For any of our listeners who are still mm-hmm. evangelical, why, how, and why are you bringing kids in the door? Right. What's your motivation, and are you um, itemizing your teens by uh? Picking them out based on their trauma.
2: Right. Yeah, there was, there was a, I mean, at every youth conference you go to within, so I was affiliated specifically with the assemblies of God church at the end of of things. And, um, that church specifically, I would go to all of their, you know, like their youth conferences and whatnot. And One thing that they would tell youth pastors all the time was like, your job is the most important because the church grows through teenagers. Like statistically, I think it said like, I'm going to butcher this, but I'm pretty sure it's like about 80%. Like it's, it's the vast majority of people who are Mm. Christians as adults. They started as teenagers. And for me, there's no way to slice that. That is not predatory. There's absolutely no way to slice it. Because one thing that I've talked about in one of my videos is that teenagers get attached before logic sets in, you know, like you make them feel loved, you make them feel accepted. And that's something sensitive to them. They will ignore all logic. All red flags because you bonded with them in a place that somebody else hasn't and so it's like like it's literally like, it feels like a soul tie almost like yeah. they are connected to you and and you either you or jesus or whatever that made them feel that way like it's it can be a permanent connection and so i don't i don't fuck with it anymore like i don't think that children should be in church at all is my opinion
0: wow so. that's a hot take <laughs> it is a hot take. yeah <laughs> yeah nice no, I get it. I mean, because like you said, teenagers too are just so vulner- vulnerable in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. Like, I can just—I I still am trying to work on like being a people pleaser and stuff like that. And, and yeah. like, I will um, be down on myself because I'll be like, "Man, I'm like so so people pleasing and stuff." But like, when I think of myself as at 15 and 16, I was like, it, it was so so intense, mm-hmm. and just because of just the way that you. You develop, you know. I mean there's probably yeah. lots of evolutionary reasons or sociological reasons that you do that. But like mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, they're they're in a spot where their uh their brains haven't like fully developed, you right. know. Um I mean we're just all now getting to that point where where we're yeah. fully developed, you know? Uh and twenty five is where they say it around this time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's just it's just makes it very 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 easy to manipulate and mm-hmm. keep somebody like to control somebody um, because it's pretty easy and obvious what buttons need to be pushed and when oh yeah so it's yeah it's not too hard to do that you know
2: yeah no it's it's down to a science and if you go to bible college and that and you study services like the literal makeup of a service all it is is psychology it's all psychological manipulation and that's something that i will never back down on like when you go to a church from the moment you walk in the door till you get to your seats till you leave they have that shit pinned down every second and i know it because i did it (laughs) you know um
0: oh definitely
2: i remember having meetings about keeping the lights low i remember having meetings about when to have the prayer team come up when to do this song when to do that song and uh, mm. and actually, like, I think that being in ministry and seeing the depths of the psychological manipulation from the backside made me trust my experiences as a teenager less, because I'm like, if this is fooling grown-ass adults, like, imagine what they were, you know, formulating and manipulating me in when I was 13 and had no idea how any of this worked. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah. I, it literally unraveled my faith. It was insane.
1: How, how did you manage to... The- Stay tied in though, and eventually becoming a pastor's wife.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, I my ex husband and I he was the one I was talking about. By the way, I had only ever up until 24 years old when I left. I only ever dated and slept with one man. So, like, since from like 15 mm. to 24 is when we were together. And oh, so um,
0: the the, so the church discipline didn't get in the way of you all your your love.
2: I do. So I guess like speaking into our relationship i felt so disgusting by the way that they treated me from like having sex mm-hmm. with him i was like i'm convinced that this is my husband like i can't sleep with another person like mm-hmm. i i in my head i felt so much guilt about sex so much guilt about impurity because i took the classes and like i did what you were supposed to do and i tried really hard and Then I start dating somebody who's already had had sex before. And it was just like, it all went out the window. Right. So it's like, it was so shameful for me. I remember when I was literally 15 or 16, fully believing that he was my husband and would not leave him the fuck alone. (laughs) Like he actually broke up with me and that's when the church found out that we were still sleeping together Is he broke up with me, but we were still keeping it going. And, um, and then after I, I think it was like whenever I turned 17 or something, he was 19 or 20. And I was like, we should just start over. Like, we should just try this again. And he agreed. So we just kind of started over when I turned 18. And um, Mm. then it just we just kind of stayed together. I mean, we were like really good friends before dating. So all that, I think that church shit was kind of like trauma bonding to us a little bit because of like how bad it was. And to give him credit, it was bad. It was hard for him too, even though he didn't get the, yeah, even though he didn't get the clearly like sexist, things pushed on him it he still had a ton of pressure to perform and be like this perfect kid you know so I, I give him I give him a little slack there because I, I do understand why where his motivations were it was that people pleasing it was that performing it was whatever um, make making your parents proud and, you know whatever so anyways we stayed together we went so we decided to go to Bible college together um, and I remember asking him, like, "Do you think that we'll get married?" And he was like, I, "I don't know, like, maybe in like ten years." And I was like, "Okay, God, if he doesn't propose to me in like eight months, I'm leaving." <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, mm-hmm. and then he ended up deciding that we should get married. And so I'm like, "Yay, he chose to marry me!" Woohoo! And so we got married. Um, the whole time though, even through the end, I always felt like I was part of the the puzzle to being a good pastor. Like, I think that's what was on his mind is like. Every pastor needs a wife and like, she's been with me and like, she's been loyal to me and like, you know, I've already done all these things with her and to her and whatever. So what
1: a valuable asset you were to his career. Yeah. You get it.
2: (laughs) I do think that women can be very transactional and very like political to men in leadership and churches. Absolutely. Like who's going to be a really good leader with me? You know what I mean? Like stuff like that kind of goes. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we got married, I think a month after my 21st birthday, um, and immediately started ministry actually started at um, our first church before we even got married, like the months before then, but started full time. Um, it was really rough. It was really hard. And there was this thing, which Elijah knows the pastor that I was under and he might think this is funny, but was that your first church? That was my first church. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Um he would like it take me to places and introduce me and then talk about my husband who wasn't there. I was like, What? He was like, This is Lindsay. Um, her husband's a pastor. I'm like, I'm a pastor. I'm you know what I mean? Like trying to get that right. Okay.
1: Can can I yeah. say, can I say something? Yes. I think both your I mean, okay, so this is this is me going out on a limb here. I think both your pastor and my pastor hired me. I think they're both dicks.
2: Oh, really? <laughs> yours too?
1: In certain ways.
2: I I remember being jealous because your pastor at least was able to see me as like a functioning human being, <laughs> versus well, like-
1: mm-hmm. yes, for sure. Your <laughs> y- yours was like I I don't know. I feel like I got like the sexist vibes a little bit. But like with mine is that I think, okay, I should back up a little bit. I think at the end of the day, he got it, but he was just not nice about it ever. Yeah. <laughs> he was not a good boss.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't doubt that for a second. Mine was, um, he was sexist. He was also a gaslighter. So like I, mm-hmm. I got to the point where I would bring a voice recording on my phone into his office because no. it was that bad. It was that bad. He would say things, say shit from point A to B, clear as day. And then we'd go in a staff meeting. He'd be like, I never said that to you. I never said that to you. Yeah. Wow. So it got that bad. It got that bad. And so yeah. that's the type of leader that I was under. Mm-hmm.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yep. Yep. He was, uh, he was also the type of guy that like, like one time my office flooded and there was mold growing in it. And I was like, we need to fix this. And like a week goes by, and two weeks go by. And I emailed the elders because he hadn't communicated to them yet. And I CC'd him into it. And I was like, hey, oh, my office has mold. Can we fix it? And he dead ass called me within 30 seconds. And he was like, how dare you talk to the elders without my permission? And then he was like, I'll just go clean your office right now and change the carpet right now. And I was like, I didn't ask you to do that. Cause at this wow. point I was used to him. I was yeah. used to his manipulation game to try to make me feel bad, and I was like, "I didn't ask you to do that, but go ahead." You know, like stuff like <laughs> like that's where I got with him. You know what I mean? Like it Man, was so bad. toxic.
3: Man, it yeah, was so toxic, so toxic from the
2: beginning. And mm-hmm. but the thing was, I love the people. Like my my biggest weak spot is people. Like I love helping
3: people, mm-hmm.
2: and so it's like if I feel connected to the congregation or to the teens or whatever, like I'll deal with a shitty pastor all day. You know what I mean? Like that was that's where I was yeah. until I couldn't anymore you
1: know totally. you'd be such a good therapist i'm just saying I, like not- you can relate to the trauma you can relate to the <laughs> religious difficulties you can relate to having like gaslighting men in your life just i'm speaking <laughs> that truth i'm speaking that into you right now I god gave me vision. a vision
3: <laughs> god gave
2: me a vision oh man don't even get yeah. me started
0: i think a lot of <laughs> pastors or, or a lot of churches know that and exploit that in their staff is the the love of people and the mm-hmm. congregation because yeah when you see behind the curtain you can see the manipulation you can see what happens that you don't like but they can say like oh sure like yeah that that's some stuff we got to work on but like if you quit I, you know, what's gonna happen to this person you've been mentoring like what what about mm-hmm. all your students that look up to you like like they're gonna be like so devastated if you leave
2: oh yeah well i don't know if is it okay if i proceed with my story to tie into this Is that
0: oh totally of course
2: so like speaking into that manipulation i eventually left that church which was like almost impossible it felt like because my husband didn't want to leave so i had to deal with his ass like not like my pat my head pastor for way longer than i should have um but when we went to the next church it moved from like like Less obvious forms of abuse, which is like the gaslighting and the manipulation behind the scenes, or whatever, to very uh, obvious forms of abuse were like mm-hmm. like verbally berating you in front of people before service after service, like like very public forms of of uh, I guess trauma traumatizing me personally. Yeah. Um, and I remember calling that pastor and being like, I am not associating with your church anymore because I can't. Like he had me on the leadership team, but wouldn't let me lead anything. So I had to like follow the leadership rules which was like mm-hmm. don't post politics online like you know like really strict stuff. And so yeah. I had to follow those rules <laughs> didn't didn't get to lead anything. And so I told him I was like I'm stepping down from that. Like that's not what I want to do. I I don't feel I don't feel good here. I don't he threatened my husband's job as a pastor at that church. If I step down, my husband would lose his job. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> I think that Yeah. manipulation and preying on feelings and like hitting people where they're the weakest or like the most sensitive is literally what drives the church but people don't realize like they just don't it doesn't Mm -hmm. click for them and it didn't click for me until it was so bad that it was like impossible not to think that you know so
0: yeah yeah man I mean (laughs) yeah this is I mean it's an incredible story so far but uh (laughs) so I'm excited to see where it goes like where did um after that point you went to the other church and he said that he manipulated you in a state by saying that he was going to fire your husband if you left um yeah so what happened next was that kind of where you left off or, or was there um a lot more church experience before you ended up leaving and joining us out here we need to well, hear gonna... the villain era okay <laughs> the... we're ready for it <laughs> yeah yes
2: Well, I'm going to back us up a second because I think a really important part of this story Mm -hmm. is the pastors in question. So the pastor that I got saved under the one that called himself like my spiritual dad, like back, back in the story, I said that phrase, which he used over me all the time. I felt so connected to him that like when I was in college, I interned at his church. And then after I pastored at my first church, he hired us on. And so the pastor that threatened my husband's job was actually my very first youth pastor. So that's where this story connects.
0: Oh, Um, okay. Okay.
2: Within. So whenever I left my first church, it was during COVID. Right. So like churches started moving online and like, nobody knew how long it was going to be. And like, it was really awkward. And people were freaking out because the numbers weren't there because people weren't tuning in. Like it was a really, really stressful time in churches. Um, And so my background was worship ministry. Like, since I was a teenager, I went to school for it. I pastored for three years as a worship pastor and a youth pastor. So I come to this next church and I'm not hired on my husband's hired on, but I'm like, you know, his right-hand man. Um, and so we decided to help out with the worship team, but I'm not leading it and neither is he like, we're just on the team. And, mm-hmm. um, after like our first service, we had like a deep almost like a debriefing of, of the service with the pastor and his wife. So it was me, my ex-husband, the pastor and his wife. And we sat down and I remember we were at like his counter and we were just talking and I was like, yeah, there's a couple things that I think that we could work on. Like for instance, during practice, nobody knows when they're coming in because we're not communicating. So I think that if we just communicated where people came in, it would be a lot less confusing. That is what I said. That led to over an hour of me being torn apart for what I sound like, what I look like, my experiences being a, being a, you know, a, um, Bible college kid, um, my, my past history, all the things he knew about name it. And he degraded it. I mean, it was like tearing me apart limb for limb. The worst part about this story though, is that my husband at the time and his, and and the pastor's wife were just Mm -hmm. watching me sob. I mean, they, for like an hour, like it was drawn out. It was brutal. If I tried to speak up, I was, I was disrespecting my pastor. So it was like I was just sitting there taking him, being like, "Well, you're not even that good of a singer anyway. You're not even visible. Bible college kids think they know everything. Like, you know what I mean? Like stuff like that yeah. for like over an hour." And I wow. sat there, and my husband my, at the time sat there with me, and he just let it happen. But I didn't have the mm-hmm. voice in that environment to protect myself, and that was the moment everything shifted for me. That exact moment. But we stayed for two more years before I actually decided to leave. At the so. Same at the same church. So mm-hmm. I decided to leave two years later. Um, and there was, as I'm sure that you can imagine if he was willing to do that in the first week, imagine what he was able to do within the next two years. Yeah. And I just had to deal with it. Yeah. So that part of the story kind of transitions into me becoming so mentally ill that I wasn't functioning. I mean, like I was pretty much couch ridden. Like all I did was sit at home. I didn't, I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to see people. I hated church. I hated it, but I served every Sunday and I, uh, I was just miserable and I got so far down that path of like suicidal ideation or whatever. I'm like, something's got to fucking give. Like I have to, like something has to give. And, um, I told my ex, I was like, I will not step foot in that church anymore. You know how they talk about like when you're 25, your frontal lobe finishes forming. I yeah. swear to God, it was like a light bulb went off. And I was like, I'm not <laughs> the problem. You know what I mean? Like when mm-hmm. you're in that environment, if, you're, if your mental health is bad, if you if there's anything wrong with you or defective with you, it's your fault because you're either not praying hard enough, you're not yeah. devoted enough, you're not whatever. Um, I was in therapy like twice a week. I was involved in church services like three or four times a week. I was praying constantly and i still felt like shit i was like but literally one day i swear i woke up and i was like oh my god i'm a victim it was like clear as day mm-hmm. i was like i'm a victim and from that launched me onto the path of like i no longer can go to this church to which my husband was like you're going to keep going to this church and i said mm-hmm. fuck you i'm separating from this marriage is like yes <laughs> yes i was yes. like i'm fucking done yes. <laughs> so And uh, I never stepped foot in that church again, never talked to the pastor again. I literally just ghosted everybody. I was like, I cannot spend one more second with these people. So.
0: Good. No, that's incredible. I think the one thing that a lot of us um, struggle with a lot of times is uh, I think you had mentioned it before was like still wanting approval from those same people. And yeah, no, that's incredible then that you just ghosted them and you, because yeah, you don't owe them an explanation, you don't owe them. Any part of your story, uh, if they want to reach out to you, this is yours to do with what you will. But like,
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, you don't have to tell everyone why you're leaving.
2: I knew, no, that I, I knew that if I tried to like reach out and say like, hey, I'm no longer going to this church anymore, that I would have been manipulated right back in. And yeah. that nothing, nothing was off the table for that pastor. I think for a lot of pastors, it's not. They will use your story against you. They will use mm-hmm. your your vulnerability against you. They know the things that have hurt you the most in life because you sh- you overshare with them, and they use it to yeah. their advantage. And so I felt like the I the only thing that felt safe to me was just disappearing. That's the only thing that felt like it would work. So,
0: yeah, no, I mean, and that's like a that's a really bold and like honest move too. That's really good. Like that's I mean, yeah, I mean, I've, I'm really glad that you did that. That's incredible um and how long ago was that
2: i stopped going to church mid-february of this year so okay yeah Mm -hmm. about 10 months ago now yeah maybe a little bit more maybe like beginning of february but yeah
1: yeah and yeah so that that sounds about right a few months after that started seeing tiktoks you know
2: <laughs> yep. Yeah. I popped up on TikTok, I think in like mm-hmm. May or June is when I started because I leaving the church after you have only known the church for like all of your almost like mo, almost like all of your pivotal development years. It was like literally like pulling teeth. It was so painful. It was gruesome. I mean, I was like in physical pain, I felt like, you know, and not to mention the guilt and the shame. I mean, I just, I felt like, it, I was so lucky to have a few friends that were there for me. I mean, that's, that's it. I was just, I was lucky because if I, if I had no one, no, I, and maybe you guys know this, but like nobody talks about how isolating it is to leave the church because the people that you were buddies with and spent all your time with, they're not going to leave the church for you and they're not going to support you in leaving the church. So they just abandoned mm. you. And so the community that I had surrounded myself with, I no longer was a part of. And so I was literally on my own besides a couple friends who stayed by my side. If it weren't for them, I probably would have ran back. But what I can say about that is despite like the shame and the guilt and whatever, I decided to just like kind of dip my toes in the water of putting my story out there. And I started with Reddit on like a very, oh, yeah? yeah, like ex-Christian Reddit or something. Mm-hmm. A very anonymous pay, like profile, like nothing with my name on it, whatever. Yeah. Got like thousands of responses of people being like, What you're going through is normal, and I'm so proud of you. Whatever you know, like encouraging me, I was like, "Oh my god, this is like what happened. This is the effects of the church. This isn't just me. This isn't God trying to suck me back in. This is psychological manipulation being undone." You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: I mean, that's an incredible feeling. I just remember like Mm -hmm. the first group and like Instagram pages and TikTok pages that I found as I was freshly left and. Yeah, it's an exhilarating and like scary, but also comforting feeling just yeah. to find people um, online that have your exact same story or, or relate so similarly to your story. And you can see there are people that had it better than you, people that had it worse, but mm-hmm. you've all kind of reached a similar conclusion that that right. was not good back there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Man, that's incredible. Um, I guess, I mean, what was it? Was that around the time that we started this podcast, then Elijah? Yeah. So we started recording
1: January, and then I think our first episodes aired in February.
0: Yeah. April. Yeah. So I mean, so we did Elijah and I both <clears throat> left the church, met up after that, and uh started this podcast. Um so you said that you left the church and then um uh, yeah, as a way to kind of not isolate yourself, putting your story out there. How did that develop into TikTok? I know you're pretty like very active on tiktok and uh (laughs) do pretty well on there
2: yeah so i mean i had i spent the few the first few months maybe three or four months just in hiding like deleted everyone off of social media um like deactivated some stuff and i was so scared i think the biggest feeling i felt was just fear and i don't i don't really know why it was just like shame and Mm -hmm. fear i just it was overwhelming and i felt like the only way that i could process was to go dark. Um, and I moved across the country and kind of just like existed as a normal human outside of the church for a few months before I like decided to talk about it. And I kind of got to the point where like I was starting to see stuff on my feed, you know how like scary the algorithms are on TikTok and stuff. Like oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. they they pin you, you know? And so I was starting to see stuff and I'm like, there are so many people that relate to this and I I want to be able to use my voice. I'm tired of being silenced for like whatever reason, whether it's like to honor God or to honor your pastor or whatever, like, I felt like I had, I felt like somebody put duct tape over my mouth for a long time. And so it was really freeing for me to be like, I can talk about this because I am my own human being and there aren't repercussions for what I want to do. You know, like things Mm -hmm. like, like, (laughs) there's all these videos that are like, when you realize um, that you have autonomy, like that was me. It was like, (laughs) like, oh, I'm in control of myself. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, oh my God, I'm in control of myself. Yeah. And so I started with TikTok yeah. just kind of just, just kind of fucking around with it. You know what I mean? Like I thought it was funny. I was like making jokes and stuff and I got so many responses. I'm like, I'm just gonna keep putting it out there because if I can if I can make one parent have a red flag for youth group, if I can make one kid assess the situation that they're in, like that's enough for me because I wish mm. that I had that voice of reason and I didn't, you know what I mean? Um and then it kind of turned into an outlet of me like, you know, talking about my relationship, my really long relationship that I let be toxic and then whatever else that comes my way. I I do a lot of travel stuff on my Instagram, you know, stuff like that has become Mm -hmm. a creative outlet for me, but it also feels like a way for me to connect to a community that understands me and vice versa. And so, uh, so yeah, I've been more, I've been more active. I'm trying to kind of create like a, um, I'm trying to kind of like promote myself and like get my story out there because, It ties into so many other facets of my life like what happened with my dad and some other things you know like i i I really want and i really care to help people and so i think that through my stories i can help people so
0: yeah totally no and i think that's so much more helpful than than it's you really realize in the moment like i mean we've all talked about how we would see things on tiktok or facebook or instagram or twitter or wherever um, when we start feeling these doubts and, uh, the, yeah, the relief that gives you is just incredible, you know? And like, you're not really doing as, you're not doing anything specifically to me as a storyteller, but like, if I relate to your story, it gives me so much more relief and like the, right. the belief that you can survive this, so that you can get out of this. Yeah. Yeah. So no, that's incredible. And I'm sure it's like helping a lot of people then, and it's, uh, able to, Yeah. To show people a different side. Like you said, even if it's not like necessarily making people question everything, even just someone like I remember my TikTok algorithm, I think had me pegged for a long time before I started like (laughs) really seriously, like Mm -hmm. rejecting the whole God and everything. Mm -hmm. But just seeing those TikToks as a pastor, I was like, oh, damn, like these are problems, you know, and if I'm going to work in church. I've got to fix these problems within Mm -hmm. the church. So even if it does that, at the very least, is worth something.
2: Yeah, and I, I say all the time, like, if you want to believe it, then believe it. You know, nobody's making you not believe it. Yeah, But just be an informed believer. Just know, like, just know what you're subscribing to, the inconsistencies in it, and what it's doing to your psyche, please. <laughs> you know, like,
1: yeah. I'm curious. Um, so our demographic of listeners is mainly um, one of two main categories. So we do have like some ex evangelical, ex Christian people who listen and maybe some of them have like come back to church or spirituality in a form. Maybe some have completely rejected it, but we also have a lot of people who listen to the podcast who still remain in the church. You know, maybe that's post deconstructed, Uh, deconstruction, maybe some who have never deconstructed, which I don't know why they listen, if I'm being honest with you, but I'm very, very thankful for you, dear listener.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. I've got to imagine that some of the responses that they would give to your story, and this is just me playing devil's advocate, man, Lindsay, that really sucks that you went through all of that. I'm so Mm -hmm. sorry, but my church isn't like that. Right. And if you had only been at my church, girl, you would still be loving the Lord as you should be. Oh, yeah, what would you say?
2: That's probably my most common response. Okay. Not my church, not my pastor, right most common. And I think that what I would say to that is that uh, I'm not trying to change your mind. you know i'm I'm really not trying to change your mind, but if you are looking for a reason to change your mind, I'm here like that's that's where I'm at because i can't I can't possibly know every church and every pastor. and there are some churches that I went to that I did not leave traumatized in. But what I can say is that the structure of the modern church is inherently traumatizing. You know, you are, there's no way around it. You are trying to fit into a culture. You're getting rid of things that feel natural to you to sacrifice to this God. You are giving 10% of your money because it's what they tell you to do or more. You're giving all of your time. Mm -hmm. If for some reason they don't accept you, Or if something happens or whatever, I mean, you are traumatized from that. I mean, it's just such a vulnerable thing to be in. I can't tell you how many people's stories I've heard that I shouldn't have. You know, like how how many pastors and leaders are passing around your dirty laundry? How many pastors and leaders are talking about how much money you give or how often you visit? Or if you put your kids in youth group, you know, like you think that they care about you and maybe some of them do occasionally but i will also say that there is a side of church that is strictly numeric and if you've been a pastor you know that this is true if you are a small giver and you raise a fuss the likelihood of things changing is a lot smaller than if you're a big giver <laughs> and the church would significantly change without you you know what i mean like there are mm-hmm. all these political sides to it that i just like i'm not trying to change your mind but just be aware that they happen like just be aware that you are part of their game. You are part of their system. And even there's people that I know that I do believe care about me still, because even after I've left the church, they're still there, you know? And so I'm not saying, I'm not trying to discredit all of those relationships, but I want you to know that it's probably two people out of the hundreds that I know. Do they care about you yeah. or do they care about your presence in the kingdom of God? So, it's a good point. Yeah, or how your and those relevant. are
0: those are different things. No matter how much they will tell you, they're not
2: right. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely.
1: What? Uh, go ahead and shout out your TikTok just for people. If I, I don't think you've said it yet, but yeah, just give the official spiel.
2: Yeah. So uh, on TikTok, I'm Lindsay's blank page. There, I talk about a number of things, but primarily what it's like to deconstruct and reconstruct yourself after deconstructing, yeah. um, finding yourself, finding your voice, <laughs> finding your individuality
0: yeah.
2: and not living a life based on what others expect of you or think of you. And that looks like a lot of different things for me. Sometimes I'm talking about my fucking cat. Sometimes I'm talking about, you know, it, it's, it's random for me, but I think that I have a lot of really good and, and healthy discussion on there about, between me and other believers who are currently still in the church, about what it's like to be traumatized by the church or to be part of a church, and not really go well. And I think it's a really healthy outlet if you're just curious. Like you said, playing devil's advocate, like you said, there's some listeners that you don't know why they listen. Come listen to some of the stuff I talk about because in reality, I know that you're probably questioning a couple things, you know? Like, and it's okay to question, it's healthy to question. They tell you not to doubt God, it's okay to doubt God. And so, that's all. I, that's that's pretty much what it is. Tell us about
1: your cat. I want to know about them.
2: Oh yeah, I got two, and they're great. And I uh, I plug them on TikTok every once in a while because they're beautiful. And I uh, I lost a lot when I left my ex, but I got the fucking cats, man. So- yes.
1: <laughs> that is something that I did Im- not get.
2: I'm sorry. <laughs> most but important you
0: know what?
2: part. Neither of us have kids, so like we kind of won. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, also, Elijah, I feel like you you lost a dog, but then you got two amazing cats. So. I did!
1: Yeah. <laughs> so I probably could have, like, raised the shtick and got the two cats who I had who are, like, they were freaking angels. I miss Margo and Liesl very much. But mm-hmm. honestly, I don't think where I was, like, at my parents' place, I could have taken care of them well. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, like, mm-hmm. it would have been such a like a burden to go through that process of like trying to win them over so i'm just like fuck it go ahead
2: yeah (laughs) i mean i'm sure a lot of listeners that have gone through divorce could could understand but i also think that just when you leave such when you leave a marriage and when you leave the church in general there's so much loss i mean there's just an astronomical Mm -hmm. amount of loss but there's also an even greater amount of gain in my experience you know and Mm -hmm. So I wasn't sure if I was going to keep the cats, and I've been very civil with my ex because I don't hate him necessarily. You know what I mean? Like I just, I things didn't work out, and so um, you know, so I get it, I get that, but at the same time, it's like you have to think of what you've gained. You know, like look at your beautiful girlfriend and like your new animals, and like you know, you you are doing really well for yourself, and so you take your losses to try to get that gain. And I think for me, it paid off, and I think for you, it did as well. So,
1: oh yeah, definitely did. I would say that. Even though I don't believe that God exists, karma definitely does because it has come <laughs> back and paid itself threefold.
2: <laughs> for sure. And I think that it speaks volumes whenever, you know, you see these people leave, leaving the church and like suddenly they are just thriving. You know, I mean, like it's just it it says more. It says more than any words could say, you know, just the fact that we are both doing much better for ourselves now. So.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah.
1: So I I, I don't want to focus on this, but as a ex divorcee and like ex evangelical, because like they it's weird how like the two like intertangle themselves really weirdly all the time. Yeah, all the time. It it kind of yeah. freaks me the fuck out because when I was like going yes. back to church trying to find one. um, So I, I didn't immediately leave. Like I came back to town. I tried like four churches out and you can go back and listen to my episode if you want to hear about that. But, like, Mm -hmm. that one thing just hung over my head the whole fucking time, and people wouldn't stop. Shut the fuck up about it. (laughs) Right, right. So, how did your separation, like, end up affecting him, if you don't mind me asking? Because, like, mine, like, lost her shit. Because she knew at the end of the day that was always going to be, like, a ghost in the closet that will probably prevent her from ever serving in ministry in a major capacity ever again, Mm -hmm. which is shameful of the church is holding that against anyone.
2: Right. Yeah. Um, So if that's
1: TMI, just tell me.
2: Oh no, it's absolutely not. I'm I'm an open book. Um, So I I will say when I asked for separation, it wasn't honored the way that I I just asked for boundaries. I was like, I need some space to like, because I realized Mm. how, much my husband was a perpetrator of the abuse even though I don't think that he was inherently abusive he allowed the abuse and tolerated it mm. and would witness it and would never say anything um and so when i realized that he was a perpetrator of the abuse i asked i said and you know and he wanted me to stay in church i said uh we got to separate like i need time to think i need space and that wasn't an honored and so i just said i'm moving out i'm moving across the country i've signed a year lease goodbye you know like that's kind of like where i was going i got very cold because, you know, and I'm sure somebody else relates to this, but like, whenever you are done, you're done, man, you're just, you're, you're die, fucking die. done. And i reached that point with him. And, um, he literally, like, I feel like I watched him walk through the stages of grief. Like he was shocked. And then he was like, no, we're fine. And then he was like, you're gonna going to just going to keep on church. And then it kind of turned into anger, like tantrums and like throwing things. Thankfully not at me. That would have been really bad. But you know, like like outbursts, and then mm-hmm. eventually what happened is that he settled on there's a real problem in the church and it's obvious here now. But it took him blaming me for it, like for <laughs> a long time to yeah. get there. So I yeah. had to remove myself, like I had to leave. Like in my eyes, like it was done. Like I had to leave him at that point. He would have got it
1: otherwise. It would oh, never have would've... clicked.
2: It wouldn't have. And so he sent a resignation letter that clearly stated like all the things that went wrong. And, um, I found out through that resignation later, like letter, like what he was hiding on behalf of the pastor, which was like affairs and like all this shit. He never even told me (laughs) he didn't even tell me, you know what I mean? Um, so I actually found out a lot of information through that resignation letter, (laughs) but, but through that, he has finally settled in some sort of place that no longer affiliates with the church as well. But Mm -hmm. he was slow to get there, and he also was desperately trying to get me to get come back for a while. Yeah, that's wrong. I should I shouldn't say desperate. It was like a, hey, it's gonna look really bad if we're divorced. Like, do you maybe want to get back together? (laughs) You know, (laughs) like I feel like for him, it was more of the Uh image. Like you said, like your ex, like freaked out. That's what felt like when like all those stages that he went through, like anger and denial. It all felt like it was because his image was crashing it was like what the church thought we were and thought he was, was like no longer the truth. And so it was like crumbling before him, you know, like he couldn't put it back together. It was just powder. And so Mm. I felt like he moved through that whole stage. And then he moved to the stage of like, I think I'm still kind of going to affiliate with church. Maybe we'll get back together someday to now a a person I don't even know happy for him. He's doing his own thing. You know, I, I don't try to judge him or anything, but like, I look at him and he doesn't even have the same sense of style, the same friend group, like he's literally evolved into a completely different person. And (laughs) in a weird way, I think that I set him free. Like, I feel like I severed ties with the church, which kind of forced him to in a way for a minute. And he realized that he also didn't align with a lot of things, you know what I mean? And so Mm. in a weird way, I feel like I I was played the bad guy through the whole experience, but I also think that I did him a favor, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I guess props to him for for ever acknowledging that there were problems. Like I mean, I Oh yeah. I've known people who've like been divorced or or been through similar type of situations in mm. their marriage and they will they will stick to the story that their partner was a psychopath and that they mm-hmm. are that the church is correct and that it's all the other person's fault and that nothing's wrong with them or the church gee that sounds familiar
2: i (laughs) I was like elijah (laughs)
0: yeah yeah so i mean that that's something that he like even acknowledged yeah that, that there were issues and that he had differences because i think a lot of times it's very easy to just blame um to blame the person that's that's leaving you
2: oh yeah and i mean he was a he's a church kid like his whole life and his parents were high school sweethearts they got married so it was like, we were kind of following their footsteps. You know what I mean? Like it felt like that Aww. kind of, that whole, yeah, that whole thing came crashing down and, yeah. you know, his family was like blocking me on stuff. So I don't know. I don't know what his side of the story was to them, but what I do know is that I'm confident that he is better off and so am I, and mm. I have no regrets. I don't regret it for a second. Absolutely so.
3: not.
0: Yeah. No, it's so good. And I mean, like you said that the church puts such a high value on the image um, mm-hmm. that you have to set up and it's scary when that, when that leaves. Um, yeah. How was that for you? So was, uh, was then getting more into like TikTok and getting into social media and put your story out there. Was that a way to kind of rehabilitate your image in your own eyes instead of uh, the church's eyes?
2: I definitely think it was a way for me to create a sense of self and like to kind of explore my own like creativity and like because like, i look back at videos i made when i first started and i'm like ew <laughs> like why did you make that <laughs> you know but it's like uh-huh. i want to say that i was like reclaiming my identity but i didn't even have one you know like i didn't yeah. even know who i was i didn't know how to yeah. dress i'd never been drunk before i would never smoked weed before like i was so innocent <laughs> i was 20 almost 25 years old at this time and mm-hmm. so I just like, I look back and I was just trying to like kind of generate something new in myself because I knew that I had the performer aspect. I knew I had the the music, like the musicians, the musicianship and like the creative aspects to myself. I've watched myself over the years perform in front of hundreds, if not thousands of people and love it. And like, so I'm like, there's something in me that wants to do this. Like I kind of want to be. I guess like an entertainer in some ways, you know, whether it's like connecting with yeah. people on a deep level or just like laughing at, at my trauma or like laughing at things that are relatable, whatever. Like I think that it kind of launched me into maybe something in the back of my head. I thought that I would really enjoy and I've just really loved it. So I've kept doing it, you know?
0: Yeah, no, that's incredible. <laughs> I feel like we, we all have to go through that a little bit of, uh, trying to find your identity without knowing what it is without it being handed to you
2: yeah and I think with that too like being in such a long relationship when you're so young I I, Mm -hmm. that mixed with evangelicalism and that also being like me being a giant people pleaser like in the midst of that I was like who the fuck am I I don't know (laughs) like I Mm have no idea so yeah worship people unite Yeah, well, I think we all loved like any worship leader who says they don't love attention or like they don't love to perform like they're a
1: bullshit. Yeah, totally
2: (laughs) bullshit on that one. So it's like I knew how much I loved that. Like I knew how much I thrived in that environment and like making people laugh or making people emotional or whatever. And so I think it's really fun to kind of explore what you can do and how you can connect to people and like how you can really. Turn what once was such a manipulation tool of like, Mm -hmm. let's lead you to Jesus, you know, into like I'm gonna have fun with this. I'm gonna connect with people. I'm gonna be myself, and I'm gonna be unashamed about it, you know, like just kind of turning it. Yeah. So.
0: Oh, definitely. We we had a uh, retreat where we had a catwalk at um on oh my god (laughs) for the youth (laughs) retreat at one of my my church that I worked at, and uh, yeah, I was like leading worship there, and I was like. I was gaslighting myself into believing that it was uh, God and the spirit was the reason I was feeling so good. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the entire time I was like trying to convince myself that I didn't like fucking love it and that I I didn't love the attention that I didn't wish that I was like singing about me instead of Mm -hmm. about something about God.
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, and the church teaches you that everything's bad, you know? So it's like everything you have to convince yourself is okay. And it's like it's yeah. okay to it's okay to want attention. Like that's all right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, there's nothing wrong <laughs> with
1: that. So, I have a really big question. If I I'm can ready ask for it, it.
3: absolutely.
1: Okay. Through your process of leaving the church, um, has disassociating yourself from evangelicalism has that been the same process of like? Coming to grips with your thoughts on a omnipotent creator, or have those been two separate processes for you? Yeah. Because, like, I, I know just for like myself, and I think Collier too. Like, it's easy for most of our listeners, specifically, to like see the flaws of evangelicalism. Like, I was watching a video of like uh, Jesse DePlantis today talking about his house that he bought wasn't even worth as much as the watch he was wearing on his wrist. I'm just like what the fuck yeah (laughs) Yeah. but like disassociating from the theological aspects and coming to grips with the logic of like an omnipotent creator omniscient creator like a two totally separate things have Mm -hmm. they been that for you and you know what are your thoughts on that
2: i think that i wrestled with the concept of omnipotent god like while i was still actively practicing evangelicalism like I think that that deconstruction started way before I admitted that it did, you know what I mean? So I do think they've been separate because I think that the the second one has been a longer process than my actual leaving and deconstructing process, if that makes any sense. Yes. Um, and I and I do feel like they are separate because for some reason in the church we create everything so linearly. You know, but in the the reality is that your brain is able to to wrestle with things over time at separate paces. And so like,
3: Mm, yeah,
2: my brain was wrestling with this idea of this, this giant God creator long before my brain and my logic was able to separate from, because I would always mute Mm. that voice. Like, no, this is just doubt. No, this is just whatever. But like, it was there and it was processing before I actually walked away. And so I think now, you know, I'm walking away and I'm like blossoming as my own individual person. And to be completely honest with you, and I was thinking about this this morning, I feel like that other journey is paused. I feel like it's not really that important to me right now, you know, but like me blossoming as a person has been so life-giving. Like I've been like really pouring myself into just doing things I enjoy and learning what I enjoy and just really kind of experimenting with life while this idea of God and like what happens after death and all that, like, I don't really care right now, you know? And I think that's okay. And I'm not sure if I'll ever care again. Or, you know, if that's a lot later down the line, but, um, as of right now, I'm just feeling good to just be free to exist, you it's know, just
0: vibing. Oh, totally. and vibing. Yeah. yeah. And that's so important. Like that's what and it, a lot of times the church doesn't want you to do that. And, and they, they tell you that like what you believe about fundamental realities is the most important thing, but yeah, I think it's more like vastly more important to focus on yourself, to figure mm. out what makes you feel the most comfortable the most uh protected the most like joyful and, right. uh yeah the uh the, the god question can wait like it's mm-hmm. it's not something that you have to get around to ever if you mm-hmm. don't want to
2: yeah and i think that i've come to the point where like elijah said karma and things of that nature have given more life to me and like that kind of idea than anything else But I also really tiptoe around those concepts because I found myself like all of a sudden being like, is this bad karma? And I'm like, we're not gonna go down like the sin and not sin, we're not gonna do that again because it's so easy, maybe it's because of my experience in the church, excuse me. Maybe it's because of my experience in the church or maybe it's not, but it's so easy for me to feel like I have to follow this set of rules or like I have to really watch my every step and be perfect and do all these things. And I was like, no, just just let yourself be. It's okay to just be, you know. And that's kind of where yeah. I've been. That's just mm. It's just existing, and which has been great. It's been
0: great. It's cool. Yeah, no, I'm proud of you for like realizing that too. Mm-hmm. I, I know I've I've seen a lot of people go from like directly from evangelicalism, or fundamental types of religion to like a new age spirituality. Yeah, which can be great, you know, mm-hmm. practice responsibly, I guess. But um, yeah, it's. It, it can very easily develop into the same, honestly, a purity culture of like mm-hmm. this is like moral and this is not. This will bring you good karma. This is like manifesting. We'll do this. And yeah. like, it kind of replaces all the same stuff sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. I mean, that's good on you to recognize that, and <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to recognize that it's more important that you be with yourself rather right. than s- stick with those rules. Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely.
1: Well, that was a doozy of a question. I don't have any more. Caller, you got anything
0: else for Lindsay? Or Lindsay, do you have anything else you want to share? I mean, my uh main of the question, we can go to anything else you'd want to share too, but um So you you're still somewhat, I guess, new to like coming out, especially publicly <laughs> um yeah. against the church and against a lot of <laughs> stuff in evangelicalism. Um where like what do you see yourself doing in the near future? Big question.
2: Oh, man. I, my goal right now is to get my voice out there, I think. I think that's, like, my number one. Like, I had my first video hit. I think I'm almost at 500,000 views last as of the last couple of days. Yeah. And I was like, that video wasn't even important. I was <laughs> like, I'm like, I really want... <laughs>
1: that sounds familiar, Collier. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I'm like that video was not even thought about for more than 30 seconds before I hit record. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: So
2: I'm like, it's like mode. It's reminded me that people are there and they're listening and they're watching. And so I'm like, yeah, if I can access you, like, let's. In in my head, it's two part because it's of course selfish. I want to be able to live in a way that makes me feel like I can explore the world and live in freedom in a way that i haven't before because all of my young years well i'm still young but my early 20s and like kind of those formational years i spent so strictly devoted to god it's like i'm kind of in this phase where it's like i really want to just Mm -hmm. break free of like like i don't want to go from like being in the church constantly and being a pastor to like working a nine to five until i'm 60. so that's kind Mm -hmm. of like one avenue of that and then the other avenue is like i really want people to be encouraged that despite the shitty things that you go through Despite the manipulation or the abuse that you've endured, there is still hope on the other side. And even when it feels impossible to see or reach or feel, it's there. And for me, it's been losing my dad, it's been losing the church, it's been losing my ex, my husband, going through divorce. I've gone through a lot of loss. And I think that my biggest encouragement is just that there is hope on the other side if you just keep pushing, you know, and if you keep advocating for yourself. So, like, I think that there's two parts there, but I would love to be, like, a public speaker. I would love to be somebody who can Mm. travel and, like, see the world. I'd love to do all those things. Um, Also, just a broke 25-year-old. So, it's just, like, getting to that point is going to be really – I'm determined. I don't know. like And and you guys have the podcast, and, like, you're really putting yourself out there with that. And I think it's incredible. But there are going to be people that are, like, ah, this is a shitty podcast. Well, you know, like, they just come up with things. and. I got people from my hometown who lurk and don't follow. You know, they're like, oh, yes, this uh-huh, dumb."
0: Uh-huh. Oh, us too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: this dumb bitch thinks she's gonna be the next influencer. And I'm like, "Bitch, you wait." Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Bitch, like, you wait. <laughs> bitch, you wait. Like, I yeah. really, I really think that all of us have potential. All of us have something to move towards. It doesn't have to be God. It can just be your own dreams and your own success. So. I really want to get to that point where I'm actually successful so I can encourage other people, (laughs) you know? So,
3: yeah.
1: I think you're successful. You already got like over 4,000 followers on TikTok. That's
0: pretty good. I mean, that's a lot. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I'm really hard on myself, (laughs) but like, I think that if I keep working at it and same with you guys, if we just keep pushing, the world is our oyster. We don't have these, like these guys in pulpits telling us, you know what we have to do anymore. It's pretty great. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the fact that you've said that, like the fact that you like have that as a goal and it's something that you're actively doing. I mean, I just followed your TikTok and I see you've got like lots of videos. So you're, you're doing the stuff Mm -hmm. that you have to do. You know, you're, you're getting yourself out there. You're speaking when you want to, when you're speaking, when you can. And Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I'm sure it'll happen for you then. I'm sure that you'll, we'll have to have you back on here. Like (laughs) in a year, once you're, uh, Booking more speaking engagements or something. Right. And you can give us like yeah. clout. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We'll have you back on here when you're more famous. So then we can like write off of you a little bit. Yeah. Isn't
2: that the dream? Isn't that the dream?
0: Just share absolutely. the clout, clout sharing.
2: Clout sharing. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> sounds like a, sounds like an STD or something. I don't know. got <laughs> the sharing. clout.
2: <laughs> they got the clout.
0: It's a big, it's a big clout sharing event. A <laughs> uh, super spreader
3: sharing
2: incredible, yeah, I appreciate what you guys are doing here, and I think that it's really helpful to the person who wonders, you know the the Christian who's not sure, you know it's okay to be not sure. It's all right. And I love that you guys are out here kind of exploring on your own and you put yourself out there. and if any of your haters are listening, just you you have a tiny penis and you should just go. <laughs> <laughs> if your ex watches this dude, she's going to like delete me off of Facebook, I swear to god.
1: Wait, are you still on Facebook <laughs> with her cuz that's the tea? Oh no.
0: I am indeed. Oh, she's she's blocked everyone that's connected to Eliza. Everyone. So, everyone. I guess I'm next.
1: You're next as soon as yeah. as <laughs> I mean, but really, though, like because of how integral she is to like the mega church cog, mm-hmm. I've been thinking about this and like she has no option but to kind of like ignore the podcast mm-hmm. because if she ever acknowledges yeah. it, like the facade crumbles yeah. of, like the perfect evangelical mega church white girl. Mm-hmm. So,
2: yeah, I. I- I like try not to the reason why I haven't deleted her or like even said anything to her about anything. is just that I try to acknowledge that everybody's on their own journey. And I'm sure that you guys do that too, but it's like, yeah, I, I have people who watch everything that I post who I know are actively in the church and I don't block it. And I, I know, I know what they're thinking when they watch my stuff because mm-hmm. I know them personally and I just let them watch. Cause I'm like, you're somewhere on your little journey and I'm not going to be a hater towards you. Just, I don't know. Uh, I hope that I hope that every every person in the church which this won't happen but like I look at your ex especially and how sucked in she is to that like I hope that eventually that they can just break out of the mold and just think for themselves a little bit and be like okay I can practice some parts of this but not the part that like hates gay people you know what I mean like <laughs> stuff yeah, like that yeah
1: <laughs> I think that's oh, the goal definitely. with everyone yeah. who's left behind but mm-hmm. you know they'll get there when yeah. they get
2: there yeah, I think that the most brilliant thing the church can do is preach against cherry picking, and like because you have to accept the ugly with the good, or else they throw out the whole thing. And I think that that's why they keep mm-hmm. people sucked in the way they do. But
0: yeah, no, for sure. You know, I I think of so many um, people. Like when I think about my story, and and when I'm when I'm having conversations or seeing people that are very antagonistic towards like the podcast or what we're about here and stuff uh i'll think of all the all the people that i had conversations with or that i lurked and stalked and we not stalked but like <laughs> that i was watching you know that their deconstruction process happened like you know mm-hmm. people on twitter people on instagram whatever that i would like see their stories i would see what they were sharing and each time i would you know have a gut reaction and i would reject that but a part of that like a tiny 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 part of that would stay in my mind you know Oh, so, yeah, like you said, I don't think it's lost for people like anyone that we've left behind at the church, anyone that that uh we know is very still in bought into the whole Christian evangelical mission because, yeah, like you said, they might start eventually seeing something
2: mm-hmm. for sure, and it's just such a hard process from start to finish. I think some people feel it and they're just not willing to go through it. And I think that's valid. (laughs) It's just like, if you don't want to endure that pain, I can't make you, you know, and sometimes it's easier just to maintain the status quo, but Mm -hmm. at the very least, just be I, I, all I want is just people to be aware. And I think that's what you guys too are. You're spreading awareness. And um, it's the only thing that I think will help people to recognize when they're being abused and to walk away. So,
0: yeah, no, that's incredible. I mean, I appreciate that about your view too, that you don't think it's like some kind of intellectual travesty to Mm -hmm. recognize some of the, the holes in the theology and the the, Mm -hmm. the crumbling of the house around you, but you still stay in it because it's less painful. Right. (laughs) It's Valid.
2: Yeah. It's really common too. I mean,
0: yeah. Yes, it is.
2: How many of us stay in shitty relationships or shitty situations just because it's comfortable, you know, I mean, I don't know. I think that if you can create an environment for people to be honest with themselves in their head, like if you can encourage them, like think or feel whatever you want to don't allow the Bible to stop you from those feelings, like just genuinely decide if you believe this. I think if you can create that environment, it, it pokes holes in the, into the, into the good news on its own. You know, it, it pokes holes into any organized religion on its own.
1: You better write that one down for a post caller.
3: <laughs>
0: oh, this is gonna have lots of uh <laughs> lots of possible quotes. This one I can tell. It's gonna be easier to find some.
2: <laughs> you got awesome. I, I think we have three pastors in the same chat here.
0: Right. So <laughs> we can talk the same
2: problem. Oh
0: man, I should have I I didn't think about this before the episode. I should have done some kind of like game where we have to like do a pastor voice with <laughs> with something. Make, a, make up a mini sermon based on something. Everybody, everybody, close your eyes. Close your eyes.
2: Everybody, put your heads down. Close your eyes. Who needs to accept the Lord today? Raise your hand really quick, really quick, real quick. I see that hand.
1: Okay, but have you ever lied about it on stage? Have you ever seen it and lied about it?
2: I, About no. the
1: hands. Okay. But Go the
2: pastors hands. I've been under, absolutely. I never really did a call to salvation. Um, besides a couple mm-hmm. times in youth group, and I was like, that was corny as fuck. And I've yeah, never and it that so
0: manipulative trance. doing it.
2: <laughs> yeah, I felt icky, like this is weird. I don't
0: want to yeah, do
2: especially when your pastor's telling you to do it, but you have like the same 10 kids that come like, every week, and you're like, uh, <laughs> This is really odd. So it's wild, man. It's wild. I will I want to give a, a small shout-out to somebody who will never hear it though. But I had a teen a teenager that was trans mm-hmm. and I swore up and down the moment they came to church. I was like, they will never be back here. I mean, their body language, their entire being was so uncomfortable, but I am me and I don't care who you are. I'm just going to be nice to you and love you, you know? And that student kept coming back and ended up being one of the most devoted students I had, but never shed the the trans part of them. They never let that go.
3: Yeah.
2: And I had meetings with them and I'm like, this church won't support you. This church's ideology will not support you. But there are churches that you could go to if you wanted to. And I can be a resource for you. Because like I was under a very conservative, very evangelical pastor that would not let me preach that. But I told them in private, like, I love you and you're always welcome around me, but just know that this church will not support you. But I support you. You know, like I had like that kind of thing with Mm. them. And I'm like, why would I do that? That seems kind of disobedient to God, doesn't it? And then like in my in my heart, I'm like, but it felt right. And so I was like, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I really do feel like falling in not falling in love but just having so much love for that student started the gears for me in like a couple of different oh. ways and so like the student will never hear it i don't even talk to them anymore but like i love that people can come together and just push each other towards greatness on accident you know i just think that it's so cool how that happens so
0: yeah that's incredible that's incredible i know and and that's something that that pokes holes in a lot of the theology too then is You are like, how do I love this person so much? And I don't, I'm not going to require them to change for me. So then, then you're more Mm -hmm. loving than God. You know, if, if the God that sends someone to hell exists, then you're more loving than them because you love this person and you're not requiring change from them. You're not going to kill them because of it.
2: God, the 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 theology around hell is like something that I also could probably create a TED talk about like oh yeah <laughs> so i before i left the church i forget the word right now but i started subscribing to theology that didn't believe in hell so it was like you mm-hmm. just die or you go to heaven you know
0: yeah a cessationist i think
2: i think so yeah and i um that was kind of a turning point for me too because i'm like there is absolutely no way that this is free will whenever hell is hung over your head you know it's no yeah. way that this is love whenever eternal punishment is what happens when you're not good enough, you know? And um, that's actually on my TikToks lately. I've been talking about that more recently. It's been something that I've been fired up about because I do have these Christians who, some of them I still care for, you know? And some of them I still know. And they'll come in my comments and be like, well, would a loving father allow their child to just do stupid shit? And of course they don't say it like that. But I'm just like, um, yeah, <laughs> they would. <laughs> they wouldn't they
0: just...
1: absolutely would.
0: Yeah and if they do if they do discipline them the discipline's probably not going to be tossing them in a fire like it's
2: to never die but just to be burned forever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Like, like the the father's not going to like yeah, just abuse their kid mm-hmm. profusely for the rest of their childhood, you know. No.
2: Yeah. And I I think that's where the church really um just celebrates authoritarian personalities like mm-hmm. in parenthood and in pastoralship because they see it as a black or white, like you either get your shit together, or you're going to hell. Like, it's like, that's how it is. And so when they parent their kids, they're like, you better stop being gay, or I won't love you anymore, you know, or like, you better stop doing this. Or here's this like, final, very serious reaction to something that they probably can't even control to begin with, you know. And um, I think that's why people glorify narcissists in their in their pulpits. I think that the type a pastor who's really charismatic but also really manipulative and really hateful is just like all over the united states right now you know yeah. i i can't get over it it just it makes me sick you know
0: oh definitely definitely yeah man i mean you said a lot of uh yeah really good words of wisdom for lots of different groups of people um you know we could we can just close out i think we're starting to get towards the end of our time mm-hmm. but we can um close out with some media recommendations we'd like to end with it started out as like songs and music that we've been listening to recently but really any sort of media books movies tv mm. music whatever um so yeah just shout out that besides besides the tiktok which is again yeah Lindsay's, shout that out again yeah plug it plug Lindsay's it plug, plug it Lindsay's blank page,
2: Lindsay's blank page. yes yeah. say more about it you want me to say more if you want to, yeah, guys. Oh, for, I love saying
0: yeah. You can shout that out. <laughs>
2: come join, come join me over there. Just come check it out. Just come see the dumb shit that I say to people. I mean, I I try to be respectful, but you might learn a thing or two from me. You might not. And you're always welcome to question anything that I say. So,
1: any other yeah. socials you want to shout out, or just TikTok?
2: You can follow me at uh Meig on Instagram if you want to see my more personal side, the fun stuff that I do from the day to day. I go snowboarding. Uh, just kind of hanging out. Otherwise, um,
0: yeah, I think it's about it. Nice. Yeah. And then, so what? What? Uh, what media recommendation would you do you have for us? That's been either connected to like your story or not, just something you've been vibing with recently.
2: Um, media.
1: I might have to think about this one. We'll We'll come back. You can go at the end. I'll go at the end. Yeah, give give you a second to think about it. You weren't prepared. <laughs>
2: I was yeah. not prepared. Yeah, sounds
0: good. I, yeah, I'm right. good on you. Sounds like you got to go first, Collier. I can, yeah. Uh, no, so I've just been listening to some recent releases. Uh, Paramore just released a song, I think, yesterday, Ooh. their second single. The News. It's incredible. Or news. The news. Yeah. Yeah. Much more punky than like this is why I love it. Um, this is why it's actually growing on me as well. I didn't like it at first. And I think it's because like it didn't really showcase Haley's vocals like Paramore normally does. Um, but as I've been re-listening to it, I kind of love it. It's funky, it's pop, it's fun. Um, but yeah, their new single, incredible. Um, the greeting committee also just came out with a new single. Uh anything but you. It's also oh I really heard good. that the other day. It's good. It's super good. Yeah. So yeah, those are two new uh new songs I've been listening to recently. Um this is not so much as like
1: spiritual or musical, but there is <laughs> just for my own entertainment, um there's a Batman audio drama that's Spotify exclusive right now. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Yeah. A Spotify original, Batman Unburied. And uh Batman's Black in it.
0: <laughs> and it's amazing.
2: <laughs> okay. That
0: sounds incredible. Yeah, it's really good.
1: So <laughs> it presents it, it presents him as an alternative a ways he's usually presented. He's a forensic analyst and uh dissects bodies for crime scenes. It's very interesting. Nice.
3: So, yeah.
1: Um, Usually we shout out more like spiritual stuff, like stuff we've been listening to that like has influenced us. But like, I feel like we've run out of that (laughs) episode like 30 or 31 that this is.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I have kind of reverted to older music, I think, like not like 80s, but like more pivotal to like my teenage years. It's kind of like re-sparking the personality that probably would have developed if it hadn't been cut oh. short so you, you said yes, Param- no me too yeah so you said paramore and i've always been a huge paramore fan and mm-hmm. i don't know if you know the song last hope
0: yeah but it's like, oh, oh yeah
2: i don't even know myself at all yeah that that song Thought i would be happy yeah and it's just like it just talks about like this little tiny spark of hope that you have that keeps you pushing and i feel like that's just been my mantra and um but if you want to talk about something spiritual, another thing is the podcast, um, Who Killed Mars Hill, I think is what it's called. Have you listened to that oh, podcast? Yeah.
1: Oh, The Rise and Fall mm-hmm. yeah. of Mars
2: Hill. Oh, The Rise. Yeah, the episode was Who Killed yeah. Mars Hill. But yeah, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. That was a huge part of my deconstruction as well because that pastor reminded me of mm-hmm. my pastor. And so,
1: yeah. Man, that whole podcast is so funny because like, Super um reformed like Mike Cosper was a pastor at a church here in Louisville. Really? Yes, no, and they're very reformed, like Baptist Southern Semin Southern Baptist Theological Seminary Associated. But like that podcast by Christianity Today like motivated a lot of people's deconstructions. I'm like, y'all are like writing that you're making this easy for us.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Literally. So- I- I love that they weren't afraid to put it out there because they knew it was wrong. Even though it created the construction environment, that's such a healthy environment. That's such a good environment, you know?
0: Yeah, definitely. To, like To be a, a Christian acknowledging wrong things that happen.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Imagine that. Imagine!
1: <laughs> well, Lindsay, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on Hopefully Wandering any final words to share
2: thank you guys for giving me the opportunity to share my story I really appreciate it absolutely.
0: I'm sure you'll be
1: back yeah. on soon eventually <laughs> yes. we'll see yeah, I'm sure
0: you'll be a repeat guest So, thank you so much yeah, for sharing your story um, yeah I mean I know your story is going to go on to love a lot of people and I'm sure it already has
2: thank you guys yeah hopefully I can be uh, your clout super spreader when the time comes
3: absolutely
1: <laughs> All right, tune in next time.